The Seahawks officially have named their starting quarterback after a 27-26 loss to the Cowboys in their preseason finale. I'll be breaking it all down in our post-game show here on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Thanks for joining me for our post-game special. And as always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks officially blanked in the 2022 preseason. They led most of the game in Dallas, but a late touchdown by the Cowboys. Hendershot, the tight end being the one that scored that touchdown, allowed the home team to walk away with a 1.27-26 victory. Going to have plenty of time to look at takeaways from that game, but today going to be handing out some game balls, looking at which players improved their stock and which ones didn't in our weekly three-up, three-down segment. But first, our lead story here, coming out of Seattle's loss to the Dallas Cowboys tonight, the Seahawks officially have their starting quarterback, and no surprise, it's Geno Smith, Pete Carroll, making the official an- announcement here just moments ago in his press conference after the game. And Smith only played one drive tonight. He was the starter for the Seahawks under center and then gave way to Drew Locke. On that one drive, goes three for six, 43 yards, no touchdowns. The Seahawks did get a field goal on that drive. One of the few possessions that Smith has been quarterback that Seattle's actually been able to put points on the board. And again, a lot of that has not been really his fault. There's been a lot of drops that continued on that first drive. But thankfully, he had Tyler Lockett on the field with him, had two really nice completions to Lockett, including an 18-yarder that moved them close to the red zone. A couple penalties, a sack taken by Smith drove him nearly out of the field goal range, but Jason Myers connects from 53 yards out. Drew Locke comes in, and there were some good plays. Really, this preseason game was a microcosm of Drew Locke's career because he had a 35-yard touchdown pass to Penny Hart that was as perfect of a throw as you're going to find. Dropped it right into the bucket. Penny Hart did a really good job revealing his hands late so the defender could make a play in the football and makes the catch in the end zone for a touchdown. But Locke had that sandwich between two interceptions that he probably shouldn't have thrown. The first one, D. Eskridge could have helped the quarterback a little bit more by being more aggressive coming to the football. But still, the throw was late, probably shouldn't have been made. And the second interception was atrocious. Trap coverage over on the left side of the field. And Locke has been in the league long enough that he should be able to read that. And he telegraphed interception to Nashon Wright, former Oregon State corner. So pretty ugly up and down performance. He needed to have a near perfect outing to really put a dent into that lead that Geno Smith had to the quarterback position. And unfortunately, he didn't do that. Smith already had one foot under center. I felt like coming out of the game that he had the starting job locked up. And sure enough, Pete Carroll made that confirmed at the end of the game. You look at the preseason, these two quarterbacks going against each other. And obviously, Drew Locke only played in two of those games. The COVID-19 positive test really threw a wrench into this, especially considering that I don't think this was a competition up to that point. He was just getting his first crack at first team reps. You can look at it as unfair that he didn't necessarily get the chances that he deserved. 
But obviously COVID's done this to a lot of players in the league and has taken away opportunities. That just happened to be the case for Drew Locke and throwing three picks tonight. The third one was a perfect throw to Aaron Fuller and he just let it bounce off his hands. So that one was not his fault, but it was just a very erratic game for Drew Locke. And the completion numbers are similar. Smith was 23 for 39. Locke was 24 for 39. Smith didn't have any touchdowns, but he didn't throw any picks, which you know Pete Carroll gets really excited about that. He's taking care of the football compared to the three picks that Locke had today. Similar passing yardage, 256 to 273, and Smith with a slight edge in the QB rating, mainly because he doesn't have the three touchdown passes that Drew Locke has. But keeping those numbers in question here and considering where the Seahawks are at right now, this was a decision that I believed was coming. And it, again, it was going to take Drew Locke going out there tonight and just lighting the world on fire. And he did not do that. There were certainly some tantalizing plays where you can see the arm talent. And that's been talked about on this show time and time again since the Seahawks acquired him as part of the Russell Wilson trade, that there will be plays that enamor you. You're going to be looking at the arm strength and you're going to look at the ability to move the pocket and create he has the advantage in some of those areas over Geno Smith, but he just doesn't consistently make smart decisions with the football. And that came back to bite him again tonight. Certainly like Smith, he was hindered by drops, some of his receivers letting him down, but he made way too many boneheaded decisions with the football in this game to have any chance to make up ground. Maybe he was trying to force more because of the circumstances, really trying to impress the coaching staff. And it ultimately didn't work out in his favor so you look at Geno Smith and what he brings to the table. You know he's going to take care of the football. Pete Carroll's number one thing at quarterback position. He can play that point guard role. He knows this offense inside and out. He's had the advantage in that regard throughout this process, ever since they re-signed him. And that was the reason that he's been able to hold off lock this entire time. And it hasn't really felt like competition. So this isn't a surprise at all. And now Geno Smith is going to get that opportunity to go against Russell Wilson in week one, new quarterback for the Broncos, longtime superstar for the Seahawks. Smith was his backup the last three years, and there was going to be a revenge game factor to this either way, whether it was Geno Smith or Drew Locke, just different reasons for that. Locke playing against his former team and Geno Smith going against the quarterback that he backed up the last three years. And he'd like to show, hey, I'm a good starting quarterback myself and beat him in his homecoming to Seattle. We'll see what happens. I think that this certainly is a fluid situation. Geno Smith is not necessarily guaranteed that he's going to be starting the entire season. I think Pete Carroll would love to have the same starter from week one to week 17. But he did point out tonight that he's still expecting that Drew Locke is going to be playing some great football down the line. So if Geno Smith struggles early, it would not be a surprise at all that as Locke gets more comfortable with the offense, that he gets a shot to start at some point. When you have two quarterbacks, you don't necessarily have one. And Pete Carroll tried to dispute that a little bit earlier this week, but that's a situation that the Seahawks find themselves in with two guys that have been failed starters before. They're hoping that Geno Smith can be successful this time around, but We'll have to see what happens. Nonetheless, he is going to be your starter coming up in week one. Up next, taking our first look at this loss to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to be dishing out some game balls. There were certainly some marquee performers in tonight's game, not near as many negatives as there were last week in Chicago. I'll be breaking down those game balls, handing them out here in a moment. Hindsight is 2020, and you can't change the past, but what if you could get a little help from your future self? Maybe you'd ask to borrow a little cash. Now you can with Dave. 
Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. Your future self will thank you. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast post-game edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, to the 12s for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks dropping their preseason finale at AT AT&T Stadium. They were ahead for most of this game. Dallas Cowboys, though, unfortunately, at the tail end of this contest, were able to get a late touchdown to take a one-point lead. Jacob Eason had not one, not two, but three opportunities to try to march the Seahawks down for a game-winning field goal, and they weren't able to capitalize on any of those chances. A lot of that was not Jacob Eason's fault. The receivers letting him down, an errant snap being mixed in there that led to a turnover as well. Five turnovers total for the Seattle Seahawks going against second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth stringers for the Dallas Cowboys. None of their starters played in this football game. So that's certainly disappointing. But there were a lot of positives to glean from this football game as well. So let's get to our weekly game balls. And there were a few candidates on the defensive side of the football. On offense, though, it was pretty obvious to me who deserved this. And he was my training camp MVP for a reason. And that is DJ Dallas continuing his monster training camp in preseason. He is one of the only players on either side of the football that you can say all three games in the preseason he played at a high level, and not just as a runner, as a receiver, as a pass protector on special teams. The effort that he gives you, finished tonight, 13 carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown. And really, the main reason that he deserves this above all else The Seahawks' second touchdown drive coming out of the halftime intermission, that was really the DJ Dallas show. They might as well have been running Wildcat because Drew Locke, I think, maybe threw one, maybe two passes that entire drive. It was a 12-play drive, and DJ Dallas had the football in his hands on 10 of those plays. It felt like more than that, and it was making me tired sitting on the couch watching this game, watching him play after play getting the football, and he wasn't tapping out, as the announcers were joking about. He wanted to stay in and finish that drive, and that's what he did, powering his way into the end zone for a one-yard touchdown. He had a 27-yard run to open that drive. Then he had a really nice block in pass protection where he ended up throwing the blitzer to the ground, driving him into the turf, and Drew Locke was able to escape the pocket. Those are some things that you didn't see from DJ Dallas in his first two years. He had his share of struggles in pass protection, but he has become a complete football player. He's a little lighter, which ironically, he's playing a little bit stronger between the trenches to go with more burst. His eye discipline has improved. It's something that he told me in an interview last week that he's been focusing on throughout the offseason. And that was something Adrian Peterson last year The impact he had only being with the Seahawks for a brief while on Penny and Dallas and all these other running backs is incredible. But the eye discipline was something that he really hammered home this offseason. You can see it with the way that he's reading blocks and just the way he's seeing the game. There was one long run that he had, I believe it was the 27-yarder, where a lot of times running backs are going to try to cut that back to the left. He bounced it out to the right, trusting his eyes, 
and ends up getting to the sideline. Those are some plays you just wouldn't have seen from him earlier. So the Seahawks have to be really thrilled with what they've seen from DJ Dallas. He wasn't in danger of making this team at all, but without Ken Walker III and Rashad Penny tonight, got a very large workload, took advantage of another really nice game. He's going to get his chance to you know, get some carries, maybe be their third down back on offense. He's going to get some carries, even with Rashad Penny being the number one guy. When Ken Walker III gets back, it'll be a little tougher to get on the field, but he's going to be a big factor in special teams. Almost blocked a punt tonight as well. So kudos to DJ Dallas putting a bow on what has been a fantastic training camp preseason, really offseason in general. Now on the defensive side of the football, Miles Adams going into this game, I thought had a really good shot to make this team. In fact, I believe it was on our Thursday episode that I mentioned that I believed he had passed LJ Collier enough to solidify his spot in the 53-man roster. I think we can now say without a doubt after tonight's game that he emphatically put a statement on that tonight. He is going to be on this roster. There's no question about it. He was dominant from the outset. It's funny. He made a big mistake on the first drive, a neutral zone infraction that gave the Cowboys a fresh set of downs, but he was able to redeem himself and then some. A couple plays later, wallops the quarterback, Cooper Rush on a third down, forces an incompletion. Very next play, they get a fourth down incompletion. Turnover on down, Seahawks get the football right back. And so that was certainly a big play. You look at the next couple of drives. The very next drive, he makes a run stop for a two-yard loss, and you can see the penetrating ability. This guy naturally is a one-gap defensive tackle with his athleticism inside, but he's proven that he can be a two-gapper as well, which fits quite well with this 3-4 defense. He showed that off later in the game, but his acceleration, his burst through the gap there was evident making that stop. And then he combined with Alton Robinson on the next drive for a partial sack leading up to that, helped a teammate get a sack as well with interior pressure. He was just all over the place tonight. And he has been that way throughout the preseason. He had a sack apiece in each of the first two preseason games. He's been, like DJ Dallas, one of the few players that has been a bright spot in every single preseason game. He's had an outstanding training camp, as Clint Hurt elaborated on earlier this week. He's proven that he can play nose. He can play three-tech, four-eye. He can play out wide and five-tech when they do their four-man base fronts. You can move him all over the line. He can play one- and two-gap responsibilities third-year player that's really coming into his own, and it's really put the Seahawks in a tough spot when it comes to LJ Collier, who did not play in this game. But certainly Miles Adams looks like he is going to be on this 50-man roster. It would be a stunner if he is not once they get their final cuts done before Tuesday's deadline. Fantastic ending to the preseason for him. Again, like Dallas, a player that from start to finish has been dominant and played his best football, deserves a spot on this roster. And last but not least on special teams, and this is a player that I have been very hard on. In fact, when he missed a field goal earlier in the preseason, I was saying the Seahawks should bring somebody else in. And I don't think that was necessarily a wrong statement. I'm surprised they didn't bring in competition for Jason Myers, but he was fantastic tonight. Four for four, made a 53-yarder on Seattle's first drive. So he absolutely deserves a special teams ball. Perfect. He was five for six for the preseason. And I think this is one of those positions when you're looking at kicker specifically. I don't know that you can see a lot of carryover from certain positions from the preseason or regular season, but there's not a competition difference when you're talking about kickers and punters. They're still doing the same job. It doesn't matter if there's fourth and fifth stringers on the other side. 
you know, maybe it impacts a little bit the rush coming after the kicker to go block kicks, but it's really pretty similar. So if a kicker is having success in the preseason, you would think that that would carry over into the regular season. The Seahawks have to be hoping that's the case with Myers, whose play has been very erratic, very up and down the last couple of years. And I've been saying this for the past four or five months. It is an even year, which has been good news for Jason Myers. He was fantastic in 2018 with the Jets. His only year he was a pro bowler that season. Seattle brings him back in in 2019, 82% field goal rate. He was okay, but not great. Missed some chances to win some games for the Seahawks. 2020, he's perfect. Didn't miss a field goal the entire regular season. Last year, under 75%, it was a huge regression from the year before. Seattle's got to be hoping that with this really solid preseason, especially this great game tonight, that he's going to be going into the regular season with a lot of confidence, and that he can return to his 2018 and 2020 form. If that happens, the Seahawks might be able to squeeze out a couple more victories because they're going to be competitive. They're going to be in games. They're hoping their defense is going to be really good to allow them to stay in games. If you've got a kicker that's consistently making field goals, it gives you an excellent chance to win several close games. They struggled in that regard. Last year, typically, Pete Carroll teams have done well in those close games. They're hoping that their kicker, Jason Myers, can be a difference maker. And I think this is a big deal for him, just getting that confidence built back up after a lackluster 2021 season. Coming up next, I'm going to be looking at our three up, three down segment, which players improved their chances of making the 53-man roster, just really bolstered their stock in general, and which players missed the mark and missed on their final audition opportunity against the Cowboys on Friday night. I'll be checking those out coming up here in a moment. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting to scores and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm Corbin Smith. Thanks to all the 12s for joining in for our post game show. The Seahawks, unfortunately, getting out of the postseason or out of the preseason without a single victory. 0 and 3. They were ahead for most of this game against the Dallas Cowboys. And then late, Dallas steals the victory with a touchdown to. Their reserve tight end game ends up slipping out of Seattle's grasp. They had three chances to win this game with Jacob Eason under center and a number of miscues prevented them from having any chance to get into range for Jason Myers to tack on a fifth field goal and win this game. Let's get to our weekly three up, three down. Which players improved their stock coming out of this game and which ones didn't? Going to start on the positive side of things, our three up here. And I want to start on the offensive side of the football. And I will admit, if you would have asked me about this two and a half hours ago, Derek Young would not have been on this list. But here is why he is the only offensive player that I have on this listing. He came out and had two, I don't know that I would call them drops. They were contested catches from Geno Smith in the opening drive. The defense was all over him. Those are plays that you want him to make, given his size at six foot two, 225 pounds. You are wanting him to make those hard-nosed catches in traffic. He's going to have to improve in that regard. But the reason that he is on this list, in part, it was another game where so many of the reserve receivers 
were letting balls bounce off their hands or they were failing to catch potential touchdowns. There were just a lot of balls hitting the turf again, and the quarterbacks weren't getting a lot of help. Derek Young contributed to that early. Again, I don't know that those would be classified as drops because the coverage was tight. It looked like the ball got knocked out of his hands, at least on the second one. Maybe one of those is a drop, but he was able to bounce back. Once Drew Locke came in the game, he's got a really good chemistry with Drew Locke, and he and Geno Smith have done some good things as well in practice. Those two will continue to develop a rapport, but he ended up finishing with a team high 43 receiving yards. He had three receptions. When you consider the way a lot of the other receivers played, for him to bounce back from that early adversity, and he had a 22-yard catch from Drew Locke right before Locke threw his ugly interception that he telegraphed to right. It was, again, a microcosm of Drew Locke's entire career. Fantastic play followed by a what-are-you-doing-with-the-football-there play. But the good one was the 22-yard completion to Derek Young. And you can see him getting open. You can see the athleticism, the after-the-catch ability with nobody else really rising to the occasion today, I thought D. Eskridge looked solid, but D. Eskridge was not in a position where I felt like he was battling for a roster spot. Derek Young, I think, is on the right side of the bubble. In fact, I would be very surprised if he's not on this football team, given the lack of production from a lot of the other receivers that were competing against him and the fact that he has been pretty consistent on the practice field, had a very good first training camp. I think Derek Young is on this roster. Next up on my three up here, Going to the defensive side of the football, and I'm going to say this as a disclaimer. Linebacker is still a major problem for the Seattle Seahawks, and Rob Rang and I will have a chance to dive into that more when we get to our Monday episode. This is a position the Seahawks need to be looking at the waiver wire. With that being said, I thought Tanner Muse played a pretty good game tonight. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. There were a handful of plays where I felt like he took somewhat questionable pursuit angles to the football, but he finished with six tackles, had a couple plays where he was able to chase ball carriers down near the sideline and show off his athleticism. This is a guy that has ran in the low four fours and he's got really good size. So the Seahawks like the physical intangibles. He just hasn't been playing linebacker very long. He was a safety at Clemson, playing for some very good Clemson teams, won a national championship on that team, was a key player on that defense, has a lot of athletic ability and a lot of talent, but he's still trying to learn the position. He is one of the few positives at that spot. It feels like he and Nick Ballore might be jockeying for a position. At this point, I don't know if Ballore is necessarily a lock to make this football team. And I don't even know if I would go as far as saying that Muse is. But I do think with that paper-thin depth that they have and the fact that he's still a very young player that has a lot of intriguing athletic traits and good size, he's growing into the position, it feels like that's the kind of player that they're going to be hanging on to. He's also been pretty solid on special teams. That was one of the reasons that he was able to get onto the roster as a a practice squad call-up last year for several games. So I think Muse is probably leaning towards the right side of the bubble after this performance. He is somebody that's squarely right there on the fringe. But I think compared to some of the other linebackers that played most of this game, I thought he had a pretty positive effort in the middle of Seattle's defense. And last but not least, he was my runner-up for defensive game ball. Mike Jackson, take a bow, good sir. Mike Jackson has had a fantastic training camp. Pete Carroll's been gushing about him. Clint Hurt's been gushing about him. And this guy's taken a very, you know, unique route 
to Seattle. He was released by three different teams before landing in Seattle. He was on their practice squad, but he's got good size. He's got that 32-plus-inch arm length that, yes, the Seahawks are not living and dying by that anymore, but they still they still prefer to have cornerbacks that have size and length. And all Jackson did tonight, get a couple of pass breakups. He was chasing down ball carriers in pursuit from behind, almost forced a key fumble at the very end of the fourth quarter to give the Seahawks another possession, another chance to win this game. Flying over the place, making tackles. He has been the one constant in that regard. A lot of secondary players have left tackles on the field. The linebackers have left tackles on the field. But if Mike Jackson had a chance to get you, he's wrapping you up and he's getting you to the ground. I think he's earned a spot in the 53. I thought he had it going into this game, but like Miles Adams, just put a stamp on his spot on the team today. He should be out there, especially with Trey Brown starting the season on the pup list. Mike Jackson should be on this roster as a reserve. And maybe he's still in the mix to start. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think he's going to be on this roster and he has certainly earned it. He's been another player that's been great from start to finish. He's looked really good in all the preseason games, particularly tonight was making a lot of plays that drew raving reviews from Mike Robinson on the announcing team, former fullback on their Super Bowl team, kept bringing up Mike Jackson, of course, making a lot of references to the singer as well. You can't avoid doing that, but Mike Jackson has been fantastic. He deserves to be on this football team. And he further illustrated that with a great performance tonight in Dallas. Now let's get to the negatives, the players that hurt their stock in this game. And I want to start in the trenches with a player that I was actually talking up earlier this week, at least in the sense that I wanted to see more Dakota Shepley. And he made a critical error towards the tail end of this game. As I mentioned, Jacob Eason wasn't able to lead that game-winning drive, but he had receivers dropping passes that turned into interceptions. And then there was another drive where Shepley, Eason's not a short guy by any means, 6'5", 6'6". And Shepley, the snap was probably three or four feet above his head, and Easton was able to get a hand on it, but swatted it forward. The Cowboys recovered it. It was a killer turnover. And when you're a player like Shepley that isn't getting a lot of reps to begin with, you can't make mistakes like that in preseason games. I was intrigued by the athleticism. I didn't think Kyle Fuller played very well today either. He has struggled when the Seahawks put in the lineup. Like linebacker, this feels like a position, at least from a depth perspective. Austin Blythe is going to be the starter, but can you go out and find an upgrade on the waiver wire over Fuller and Shepley? Shepley didn't do anything tonight to suggest to me that he is backup worthy, at least for now. Maybe they want to keep him around on the practice squad to continue developing, but that was a bad mistake. The blocking wasn't great at his part during the few drives that he was in the game as well. Fuller didn't play very well. He's been here long enough. The Seahawks should know what they have in him. That feels like a position that they absolutely need to get an upgrade in terms of getting a backup. And long-term, they still might be looking for that long-term starter. Maybe Blythe is the guy, but he is absolutely the starter. they got to figure out what to do behind him, though, because the options they have aren't necessarily desirable and the guys are struggling in preseason games. That's not a good omen for when the real bullets start flying in a few weeks for the Seahawks. Now, next, going over to the receiver position. Another player that I've been very hard on the last couple of uh, weeks, and that's been Freddie Swain. I didn't think that he did anything to help himself tonight. He was only targeted one time, but he was getting snaps well into the second half of this game. Wasn't getting targeted. The one target he did have late in the second quarter, Drew Locke forced the issue a little bit, but the throw actually was a really good throw, and it went right through Swain's hands. He dropped the third down pass from Gene 
Geno Smith in the game last week against the Bears. It just seems like Freddie Swain has not been able to get anything done in training camp and the preseason. And it's disappointing because you look at the progress that he made in his sophomore season last year. He doubled his numbers across the board and looked like he might have a future as their number three receiver, but he's really struggled throughout camp. I can count on one hand the number of times that he's made catches in training camp. In fact, I'm trying to remember the last time that he made a noteworthy catch in a training camp practice. It just didn't happen. A lot of the younger players were making a lot better contributions. And as a punt returner, you could already see the stark difference when they had D. Eskridge just out there for a couple of reps, just how much more explosive and decisive that he was returning punts. So if that was going to be the reason to keep him on the team, it looks like they've got better options to return punts than Freddie Swain. Right now, he is not on my 53-man roster, and I could be wrong on that because the Seahawks have kept some veterans around before that didn't have good training camps. He's still a young player. The coaching staff likes him, but he just hasn't done anything in training camp, and his preseason's been really rough. All the dropped opportunities, not getting open, not being targeted very much. It just feels like he has taken a huge step backward, and they've got so many other options that offer more upside. So he needed to have a good game tonight. If he could have reeled in that one play or had another catch or two in this game, then maybe we're having a different conversation, but he has been a ghost most of this preseason training camp. And when he has had chances to make plays, he has not been able to convert. It's been a long enough stretch that you got to wonder, is he really one of your best five or six receivers right now? I don't think that he is. So he's in a bit of a perilous spot here with the Seahawks heading into their final roster cuts. And going to the defensive side of the football, I try to avoid players that didn't play in a game. But you can't ignore LJ Collier's absence today, particularly with the way that Miles Adams has played throughout training camp and in all three of the preseason games. He had his best game tonight, just consistently getting into the backfield, whether as a pass rusher, defending the run, winning with finesse, winning with power, winning with technique. We haven't seen LJ Collier do that in a long time. He had a fairly promising second season, and ever since then, it's just been downhill. Seven healthy scratches last year, and then this season, the Seahawks had a lot of optimism about Collier in this 3-4 defense, being back close to 290 pounds, playing defensive tackle exclusively, mostly being used in pass rushing situations. I think Pete Carroll and Clint Hurt were genuinely intrigued by where he was going to fit in. And I thought he had a good offseason program. But this is just one of those cases where you are a fringe player at this point, former first-round pick, on the fringe of the roster. You get hurt. And then they have to lean on Miles Adams more. And Adams fully capitalizes on his opportunities. They're probably only going to be keeping five or six defensive tackles, six of the most. Miles Adams would be the sixth. No way that LJ Collier is making this roster right now based on the way that Miles Adams has played and the talent and depth around him. I don't know that playing in this game would have made a difference. Obviously, if he plays and gets a sack and makes a couple of nice plays in the backfield, then Maybe that does change the discussion a little bit, but based on what Pete Carroll and Clint Hurd have said recently, the writing has seemed to be on the wall, and now this looks like it really seals the deal. We'll see what the Seahawks do. Maybe they'll decide to roll the dice one more time with LJ Collier, but it just looks like the end is coming here before Tuesday's cut deadline. Miles Adams deserves to be on this roster, and quite frankly, LJ Collier, whether it's been because of bad luck or just not performing, he has not earned that spot. And so he is one of the big losers coming out of this game, not being able to play and trying to defend his spot on this roster. And I'll be really surprised if he ends up cracking the 53-man roster, given how everything has transpired and the play 
of Miles Adams. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out the Locked On Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on Monday, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. The two of us are going to take a look at some deeper, uh, deeper takeaways from this preseason loss to the Cowboys offense, defense, special teams. We'll have a chance to hopefully have watched the All-22 by that point, have a little better idea how everything played out, and we're going to take a look at final roster cutdowns, which players are on the bubble, which ones are on the wrong side. We'll take a look heading into those final cuts on Tuesday. Make sure to join us. Enjoy your weekend. Go Hawks.